Hey, this is Jim, pastor of Decided Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope the sermon you're about to hear just blesses your heart and really encourages you. If you don't mind, subscribe. That way you'll get instant notifications every time a sermon is uploaded. And by all means, if you're feeling led to give, click on the giving link and there'll be more directions to follow. God bless. Enjoy the message. Amen. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Uh, My name is Pastor Jim, and it's so good to be here. If I haven't met you yet, stick around. I'd love to meet you, shake hands with you, or elbows, whatever we're doing these days, and meet your family. Uh, but I'm all pumped up. They, they, uh, it feels like Easter in here for whatever reason. I think they sing a lot of Easter songs, which is good. I'm, I'm excited to be here. We have, you know, it's February, so we have been downloading our brand new theme for the past four weeks about what, what we mean by founded. What, what are we getting into with this dig deep, build up, stand firm? And so two weeks ago, we gave you guys a healthy dose of what stand firm means from Ephesians chapter six. And so what we're going to do now, we're actually going to go backwards, if you can believe that. But we're going to start with this phrase, stand firm. It's the last part of our subtitle on founded. And we're, we're, we enjoyed Ephesians six so much that we're going to see the thing through. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through the rest of the chapter and really develop and understand this armor of God piece by piece and show you how it equips us as Christian soldiers to stand firm. So you stand with me. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. Ephesians chapter 6. Um, and this is what Paul has to say after he's, he's encouraged this church at Ephesus to be strong in the Lord, to stand in the strength of his might, to stand against the schemes of the devil. And, and he's, he's warned us that we're not in a, a physical battle, we're in a spiritual battle with cosmic powers, with the, with the presence of evil. And then he gives us an analogy. To wrap it all together, he gives us a picture of what this looks like, the armor of God. Starting in verse 13, he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to what? I like that. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18, he wraps it all up saying, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. So we're going to do this armor of God. And, but let's pray, and then you may be seated, and we'll get started. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word. May it penetrate our heart. May we be changed after we have come face to face with your word and the message of Jesus Christ today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. You may be seated. Paul's writing Ephesians from prison, from from Roman prison. He's writing from a jail cell, and this has been an amazing book. 
This has been an amazing letter to the church at Ephesus, and I'm putting myself in Paul's shoes as I'm wrapping up this letter to the church, trying to encourage the church at Ephesus, trying to encourage the believers there to keep going, to stand firm, to, to, to realize that these believers at Ephesus, they're in a spiritual warfare. And I'm just in Paul's mind, and he's thinking, man, I really need an analogy. I need an illustration to wrap all this together. And then he realizes, well, I've got a Roman soldier chained to me. Or at the very least, probably standing at the, at the door of the jail cell. And I have no doubt in my mind that Paul is using this Roman soldier that's standing guard, that's, that's standing firm to keep him from, him from escaping. And Paul says, that's it. You're my guy. And he analyzes all the equipment and the armor that this Roman soldier that he's tied to has on. And I'd love to think that they collaborated together, right? Wouldn't it be cool if the Roman soldier's like, dude, Paul, I got you. Like, look at this analogy. Look at my outfit today. Like, surely you can use some of this for your, your little letter. So this Roman soldier, I've got a picture here, and he's got all of his equipment that it might have appeared like in Bible times. And we're talking today about that centerpiece, that belt of truth, that leather girdle that he would use that, catch this, that every other piece of armor was connected to. We're talking about the belt of truth, the girdle of truth that, catch this, he would lift up his robe or his tunic and tuck it into so that he can move freely and quickly and efficiently in battle. Seven pieces of armor none of which guard our backsides, right? We're never called to back down. We're never called to retreat. We're never called to run from spiritual warfare. He describes this first part as the belt of truth. Why does he start with the belt? Well, like we said, all the other pieces are connected to the belt. This belt was the support system too. It was the load-bearing accessory for every soldier. First thing he would do to prepare for battle was to tuck in those robes in his girdle, allowing for that fast and free movement. There's a lot of spiritual analogy here. For we, as Christian soldiers, engaged in warfare not of this world, we're fighting enemies not of the physical, but spiritual. The one thing that provides us support, the one thing that helps us bear the load. Because remember, that shield is heavy, the helmet's heavy, the sword's heavy, every other piece of armor, the breastplate is heavy. This belt supports that, this truth supports that. So this is the one thing that provides support, the one thing that helps us bear the load, the one thing that frees us to move, to stand, to move again, to stand, to gain ground, to stand, right? The one thing that anchors and centers us, spiritually speaking, is the truth. The truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. And make no mistake about it, believer, if you're found in Jesus Christ this morning, if you are clothed, not in Tampa Bay gear, but in his robes of righteousness, catch this, the truth is on your side. We're fighting from truth. And we don't have to worry about that. We're on the right side of history. 
I've read the back of the book. I know who wins. We're on the right side. We're fighting from truth, which is encouraging. But here's the question. We'll see in just a moment. Not all people are created equal in regards to their relationship to that truth. Unfortunately. What is your relationship to truth? That's the question I came to ask today. The belt of truth, the central piece of armor, what's your relationship to it? What kind of relationship do you have with the truth? Anybody ever heard from your teenager at home? I, uh, yeah, I had, I had the DTR talk with my, with my boyfriend, and it's, uh, it's off. Anybody ever heard that phrase, DTR? Just a few of us. Well, let me explain it for you, more mature crowd. D- the DTR talk refers to define the relationship. So this was like Victoria and Clinton back in the day when they were just starting to date and run around together. And Victoria's feeling like she, she wants to give her feelings over to Clinton. She wants to fall head over heels, right? And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't, he's, he hasn't said anything. He hasn't like established, like, are we boyfriend, girlfriend? Is that the terminology? Are we a thing? And so they had to have, like every couple, they had to have a DTR talk. Like, let's nail this down before my emotions get too involved. What's my relationship with you? Are we, are we just, is this just fun? Is this just best friends? Or are we looking for something more serious? Christian soldier, what's your relationship to the truth? Because see, it's all important for some of us. We just hang out with the truth when it's convenient, when it, when it fits our arguments, when we want to one-up somebody else, when it, when it fits our motive to criticize or judge someone or condemn someone. But other than that, we've got no attachment to the truth. That's a one-night stand with the truth. That's not what we're talking about here. Or maybe you were raised in a good background, a solid foundation. You know the truth. You've learned the truth. But now as an adult in your adult spiritual walk, you're like, well, I mean, I know it. I, I, I can refer back to it when I need it. No, no, no. That's, that's just dating the truth. That's not what we need to stand firm. Or maybe you've, you've experienced truth up to a point and then it's hurt you. Then, it's, then, then that truth has convicted you. And you couldn't deal with the truth because it was penetrating your heart. It was calling out some things in your life. And so you said, ah, I, don't, I don't need it. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go find a place, a church, a pastor. I'll go find something that is a, more, a little more suitable. I don't, I don't think um, I need to deal with that aspect of my life right now. And you've, you've had a breakup with the truth. And that's not what we need either as Christian soldiers called to stand firm. How do we stand firm in the truth? How do we use this belt, this this girdle of truth to stand firm? What we need, my conviction and my passion this morning is to equip Christian soldiers to enter a covenant oath with the truth, to enter a marriage commitment to the truth. So much so that even when the truth convicts and calls you out and calls you to repentance, through thick or thin, better or worse, you're committed to the truth. What's your relationship with the truth? Not all of us are created equal. So we need to decide this morning together, Cadence, whether we're just going to date the truth, break up with the truth, 
one night stand with the truth, or are we going to commit a lifestyle to truth? That's the only way we stand firm. And the reason why this is so important, I'll get to in a second, but I've got two questions that we have to answer before we have the DTR talk with truth to find the relationship. We got to answer two questions. What is truth and why does it matter? You can't define something that you don't know. You can't have a relationship talk with the truth that you don't know, don't understand. And you can't define the relationship when you don't know why it matters. So let's look in John chapter 18. This is a a really cool story about Pilate and Jesus. And Jesus, like we'll get to in a second, he is the truth. He, He embodies truth. He is exactly what truth looks like. He gets with Pilate after he's delivered over by the Roman soldiers, by the Pharisees, by the Jewish leaders. He's delivered over to Pilate. And Pilate, like any any politician, he's trying to get out of this. He doesn't want the blame. He wants to be friends with everybody. And so he's trying to get Jesus to kind of incriminate himself. And he asked Jesus in verse 37 of John 18, so... You are a king. He was trying to get Jesus to admit like, hey, I've got this earthly kingdom and I'm an insurrectionist against the Roman Empire, which Jesus answers, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to what? To bear witness to the truth. In other words, Jesus' whole goal and mission was to point to truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So in other words, Pilate, it's not an earthly kingdom. We're talking about a spiritual kingdom, something that you might learn about in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 38, what does Pilate do? Verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And after he said this, he stuck around so that Jesus could answer the question and explain to him what truth was. Is that what it says? I wish that he had. But Pilate, like many of us, he thought, what version is he reading out of? (laughs) Pilate, like many of us, don't want the answer to that question because we know that it's going to convict. We know that it doesn't discriminate. We know that it doesn't care about our feelings for truth is objective. And so Pilate asked the question, but he ran. He ran before an answer could be given. In fact, he ran out to the crowd and said, hey, I find no fault and a miss on you because, you know, like every good politician, I'm going to um, appease everybody. So this one's on you, Jews, because I find no fault in him. And then he literally physically goes to wash his hands because he doesn't want any part of the matter. He didn't want any part of the truth. He knew enough to ask the question, but didn't want the answer. How about you, Christian soldier? Are you just asking the question, what is truth, or do you really want the answer? Do you want to live in truth? Do you want to abide in truth? Do you want to stand firm and fight from truth? If you want that kind of freedom, it comes with conviction. So what is truth? We answered it for you. Jesus is truth. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, what? The truth, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And because Jesus' purpose was to point to the truth, you know what also is true? Scripture. This book we hold in our hand. John 17, 17, you know it. Sanctify them through my word. My word is what? So two things. We know we can base our foundation upon Jesus' truth. Scripture is truth. That's enough. That's a lifetime of learning right there. Jesus is truth. What does that mean? That means everything about him, every characteristic, every attribute, the fact that he was fully God and fully man, the fact that he was full of love, mercy, grace, redemption, forgiveness, the fact that he was full of no condemnation, the fact that he was full of reconciliation to the Father, all of that, the gospel that was lived out through his life is truth. And then scripture is truth too. So, Verses, beautiful verses like John 3.16 that you and I grew up memorizing for God so loved the world. That's truth. Absolutely 100%. But even the parts of truth that we may not like so much, like we're going to give an account for every word spoken and every deed done. Anybody really enjoy that Bible verse? You're crazy. You're crazy if you do. Not one of us is going to enjoy that moment of giving an account for every word spoken, every deed done, and even the motive behind it. But that's truth. Scripture is truth. So we've got to either enter a covenant and a commitment to truth, or we're not going to be able to stand firm in it. We're not going to be able to fight from it. We're not going to be able to fight for it. So which is it? What is your relationship to truth? Notice what's not truth before we move on. A church is not truth. A pastor is not truth. Right? To the extent that church or that pastor relays to you Jesus and his word, it contains truth. But a church is not truth. A pastor is not truth. A movement or a cause or a creed is not truth. A political ideology is not truth. We don't stand firm in that. We don't fight from that. How about a book, a mentor, a counselor? It can contain truth, but it is not truth. Only Jesus and his word is absolute truth. So the average person, to the average person, how would they answer this question, what is truth? The, the answer to Pilate's question if it were to be answered by society, if it were to be answered by the general public, we would find answers like, well, truth is relative. Well, there are no absolutes. Well, it's, it's your environment that creates truth for you. It's your experiences that are truth. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Well, that's my truth. It may not be your truth, but that's my truth. <laughs> Did you know there's no such thing as my truth? There's only the truth, Jesus and his word. What's your relationship to the truth? You need to have a DTR talk this morning, like your teenagers. Define the relationship. Why does truth matter? We already answered part of this. This is, this is how we know what we're fighting from and for. We're fighting for truth. If you don't know truth and you don't know why it matters, then why are you in a spiritual battle? What are you, what, what are you fighting? 
You have to know truth in order to understand this spiritual warfare that you're in. See, the truth centers us. It's the hub from which we work. This is why it's the central part of armor. It's the central headquarters. It's our compass. It's our perspective. But it is possible to suppress truth. It is possible to exchange truth for a lie. It is possible to sell out on the truth. Can I show you that from Scripture? This is why the truth matters. Romans 1, 18, 25, 26, for the wrath of God, remember that phrase, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness do what? Suppress the truth. In other words, push it down, hold it back, contain it. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the, cre- the creature rather than creator. Let me rephrase it this way to put it in modern context for believers. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped their mentor rather than the creator, their counselor, their church, their pastor, a book, a creed, a political ideology, a movement, a cause. There's a lot of things you could put in there that explain what we do with the truth. We take little pieces of it, and when it fits good with our flavor, with our soapbox, man, we really love the truth. That's a good day for truth. But then we read the passages that, oh, that... Love your brother, love, you know, no slandering, no gossip, you know, all these verses that are a little harder. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I could, I could, I could, I could do with selling that one for something a little more palatable. I, I might just suppress that one this week because that's just, that's a little, that steps on my toes. That's hard. What's your relationship to the truth? It answers our doubts. The truth is what gives that reason defense for faith. The truth is what equips us to have an answer to the temptations of the devil. Remember, this, this is old news. Genesis chapter 3, the serpent came to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he questioned them as to whether God, re- did God really say that if you eat of the fruit of this tree, that you're going to die? Well, they didn't stand firm in the truth. If they had stood firm in the truth of what God had said, they could have defeated that temptation. But this is old news. These are old tricks, old schemes of the devil. He doesn't ever use anything new. All of his tools and resources are lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Different packaging, same tactics, same schemes. Truth, that belt of truth, gives us the ability. It answers our doubts. It sets us free. Say amen if you know this verse. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth sets us free. Again, it's that girdle, it's that belt that you can tuck everything, every other spiritual aspect, every other piece of armor of spiritual warfare, all of it connects. And when you go into battle, 
When it's time to fight, you tuck in everything to the truth. Everything revolves around the truth of Jesus and his word. And when you have that context, when you have that centrality to the message of Jesus, you're free. That's freeing. That helps you move quickly, efficiently. It sets us free. It anchors our feelings. Man, do we need that one. What is the, why does the truth matter? It anchors our feelings and our emotions. Emotions come and go. Emotions are deceiving, right? Some emotions are good. Some emotions are bad. What is the filter for those feelings? Truth. Truth gives us context for our emotions and feelings. That's why it's important. 1 John 3, 19 through 22 also gives us an answer to why this truth is so important. When, when, we, when we are people of truth and live in obedience to that truth, God says, ask anything in boldness and confidence and you'll have it. 1 John 3, 19 and 22 say this, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Skip to 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. The truth allows you to live a life of obedience and from that obedience comes God's blessing, comes answered prayer, comes confidence comes reassurance. It all starts with truth. What's your relationship to truth? Last reason why truth is so important is found in the passage right after this in 1 John chapter 4. The truth is what unites or divides us. And this is so important because we love unity. We love unity. Unity is a good word. It's a good thing. It's a Bible word. But we all know there comes a point with individuals in our lives that we have to draw a line. And we have to draw a line in the sand and say, nope, that's not truth. I'm not associating with it. I'm not talking about not evangelizing the lost or reaching people that are far from God. I'm talking about false teachers, false prophets, false spirits that are in this world. Check out this passage. This is 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is, already, is in the world already. Verse 8 or whatever, verse seven, six, that'll do. <laughs> we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, catch this, by this test, by this test, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The point at which decided church and the members thereof would draw a dividing line in the sand instead of a uniting line is what they do with the person of Jesus. So truth gives us context as to whether or not we should have unity or division. 
keeping in mind that the goal is always unity. We're not looking for a fight. But when the fight is presented and the false spirits come and the false teachers and the false prophets come, and they might sprinkle a little bit of truth into there, but the rest of the message, the rest of the package is not of God. It doesn't, it doesn't jive with the truth found in God's word or the person of Jesus. They don't have their answers right about Jesus, aka Mormons, Jehovah's Witness. We could go on and on. If those individuals don't answer the Jesus question correctly, there is no unity to be had. Decided Church and the Jehovah's Witness Church are never going to partner together to have an event for the community. That is a line in the sand of division because they are false teachers, false prophets. You won't catch me and the pastor of the Mormon church going out for lunch. That is a line of division in the sand. The truth is the only way we can discern that. That's why it matters. Okay, let's have the DTR talk with whatever time we have left, which isn't much. What is your relationship with the truth? Define the relationship. I'm going to give you a lot of DTRs. Define the relationship. All of you start with DTR. And I hope you appreciate it because I had to dig deep in my adverbs that started with the letter R so that these would flow for you. <laughs> it was tough. Number one, and this is has to start desire truth radically. Desire truth radically. Desire truth radically. What are you talking about, Jim? 2 Timothy 3. All right, we're going to fast track the back half of this sermon. There's going to be a lot of scripture. Keep up with me and we'll be done. Desire truth radically. But I understand this, that in the last days there will become times of difficulty, verse 2, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Jump to verse 7, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. You see what's going on here? This is the pilot syndrome. I want to know, but I don't want to know. I want to ask the question, but don't give me the answer. In this culture, in our American society and modern Christianity, however you want to phrase it, there is an insatiable desire for the resources, for the knowledge, for the, I want to know, for the study groups, for all of this community, all of this knowledge, but people don't want the truth. They just want to have access to it. Does that make sense? They want access to the truth, but they don't want it to permeate their heart. They don't want it to change. They don't want it to, to, to dismantle, to, up, to put their lives into upheaval. Just let me access the truth and I'll kind of draw from it when I need to. Always learning but never able to arrive at the source. Christian soldier, you need to go to the source. We need the fountainhead of truth. We need to get right to the point. We need Jesus. We need his word. And I believe that there is hope for this world because I believe that there are young people. I believe there are believers who are craving the truth. I believe there are lost people in this world craving the truth. And that's the hope I cling to because I see a lot of people just sick. They're, they're sick and tired of the shallow waters of moral relativism. 
I see a lot of people that are sick with the ideology that truth is relative, that there are no absolutes, that truth comes from experiences or circumstances or your environment. People are, I've seen it. People are done with that. People want, people are starting to want this concept of just give it to me straight. Just give it to me straight. I want the truth. How else do we describe a church I see full of young people packing out two services in the middle of a pandemic? People do hunger for the truth as a whole, no. But I believe that there is hope for the church to the extent that we desire truth radically. You got to want it. You have to have a thirst for the truth and the rest of these DTRs fall in place. This is the big one. Do you pretend to want the truth? And when it gets hard to hear, hard to face, you turn away or turn it off or you desire the truth no matter whether it hurts or not. Number two, develop truth routinely. Develop truth routinely is combined with define truth rightfully. comes from 2 Timothy 2.15. This kind of dabbles into this concept of digging deep, which is part of our subtitle of founded. How do you develop truth by digging into the source of truth, which is what 2 Timothy 2.15 says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. This is your source of truth. Get used to your weapon, soldier. Practice with your weapon. We'll get to it at the end, but this is the sword of the spirit. This is the source of truth. So, our relationship to the truth starts with desire, but then desire is not enough. You have to develop it routinely. Sounds like digging deep. Sounds like your quiet time. It sounds like defining truth rightfully comes from digging deep in the scripture. Number three, declare truth respectfully. We have an obligation to share truth. We have an obligation to, to speak truth respectfully. Truth is not a billy club to beat people up. Truth is not a punch to the face. We as believers are called, we are obligated to speak truth, to declare truth respectfully. First Peter 3, 15 and 16. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. In other words, you are to speak up. How are we to speak up? I'm glad you asked. Peter explains. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. Why? Verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. When we speak truth respectfully, it emboldens us to when accusations are made, it doesn't stick. When accusations are made, when slander is hurled, when the arrows of the enemy fly at our face, doesn't stick. But when you use truth as a billy club or a punch to the face, or you use truth rudely or in a judging manner or a condemning manner, it looks pretty incriminating what this world has to say about Christians, doesn't it? 
Obligation to speak the truth, yes. Declare the truth, yes. Respectfully, yes. Another one, another DTR. Defend truth resolutely. Can you tell I'm getting desperate yet with my adverbs that start with R? Defend truth resolutely. Best way to do that is to cherish, to celebrate the truth. Let me explain to you this, this, this thing with love and truth. 1 Corinthians 3.6 6 says, Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Defend truth resolutely. What does that mean? It means celebrate the truth. It means cherish the truth. It means hold the truth in high regard. Because love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, it rejoices in the truth. Anybody ever been with a best friend, somebody that you really admire, and you complete a project or a task together, and your boss comes and he wants to give praise, and he's like, oh man, Chris, you did a great job with that project. And Chris is like, oh no, it was all Crystal. You don't understand, Crystal, she had, the, she had the brains behind this operation. It was really all her idea. And Chris was over there, oh no, no, it was Chris. Like he, he, he was, he, I might've been the brains behind the operation, but he was the brawn. Like he actually carried it out. And you guys are just feeding each other all day long. Like, no, you get the credit. No, you get the credit. No, you get the credit. That's clearly never happened for you guys. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Oh, it's good to have you guys back. But love and truth are like best friends that are always giving each other the credit. They're in this type of symbiotic relationship where if it's real love, if it's genuine love, you're going to call out the truth. But if you're in the truth, you're going to share that truth in a loving manner. So truth is always like, love, love, love. We got yes to the truth, but we got to do it in love. And then love is over here saying, because I love, and it's a genuine love, I'm going to share with you truth. Because I want what's best for you. Love and truth, they got to be together. They have to be together. If they're building each other up, you know you're onto something. If they're tearing each other down, you're not doing it right. (laughs) Defend truth resolutely. Okay, demonstrate truth refreshingly. This is the last one, and we'll be done. Defend, demonstrate truth refreshingly. You know how you stand out? You know how the Christian soldier emerges from the crowd? Do you know how the Christian soldier allows truth to permeate his life, good and bad, convicting and affirming truth, is when you demonstrate this truth. Let me show you 1 John 1, 6 through 8. 1 John, if you want a good book about truth, 1 John is the place to be. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the what? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We as Christian soldiers demonstrate truth refreshingly when we practice daily repentance, daily surrender, and ask to be, to walk in the light with our brothers and sisters. That's how we demonstrate truth. See, it does you no good if you just have this quasi-relationship with truth and you just need it, you just use it when you need to, when it fits, when it feels good, but you never allow it to change you. You never practice repentance to the truth when it convicts you. When the truth calls you out 
Are you going to walk in the light or are you going to be in darkness? Because the truth says, if you say you're, if you say you're right and you're not walking with your brother, if you're not walking in communion with your brother, you're not in the light, you're in darkness. In other words, allow the truth to change your life. See, truth isn't just this doctrine upheld by the word of God. It is that. Truth is the doctrine upheld by the word of God. But Paul is equally saying that with that doctrine, it's got to matter. It's got to change. It's got to affect your daily life. Practice daily surrender. Practice daily repentance. Die to self. All those things that Amanda was saying before that song. Truth changes us when we choose to practice a lifestyle of daily repentance. Are you actually a person of truth? See, that's the thing. You can hold to the truth. You can proclaim the truth. Are you a a person of the truth? What's your relationship to the truth? Are you a person of integrity? Are you a person of sincerity? Are you a person of good conscience and character? Are you sincere and honest with others and yourself? If you stop at desire and developing and defending and you don't actually walk in truth, then you're not going to be able to stand firm to fight spiritual warfare. Let me show you this in two verses and we'll be done. 2 Corinthians 1.12. 2 Corinthians 1.12 says, For our boast is in this, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity. In other words, truth. Not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. Allow truth to change you. One more verse, 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19. Paul talking to Timothy, Paul charging Timothy says, I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith, holding truth, and a good conscience. In other words, you can't just proclaim truth and not live by it and expect to get away with it. Holding truth, holding faith, and a good conscience. In other words, you got to be living by what you're saying. Practice what you preach. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. Paul says, I could tell you, Timothy, a million times over what happens when you speak truth that you're not living by, it doesn't fly. It doesn't work. You got to demonstrate truth refreshingly. So that comes through daily repentance and a lifestyle of walking in the light. What's your relationship with the truth? I gave you several DTRs. Desire truth radically, develop truth routinely, Define truth rightfully, declare truth respectfully, defend truth resolutely, demonstrate truth refreshingly. So what's it going to be? Christian soldier, we're called to stand firm. We're called to fight from, fight for truth. It's the belt, it's the girdle, it's the central part of our message. It allows for every other piece of armor to work effectively. Have a DTR talk with the truth. Let's pray with every head bowed and every eye closed. 
Jesus, you say that you are truth and your word is truth, and that's the end of it. And I pray that as a congregation, as individuals, that we could practice a lifestyle of truth. God, I pray that we wouldn't be guilty of pilot syndrome. God, help us not to just have a one-night stand with the truth. Help us not to have a dating relationship with the truth. Help us not to have multiple breakups with the truth. No, we must be good Christian soldiers who enter a commitment to the truth, who enter an oath to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, what is it for you? Maybe you just, you've just used the truth now and again to your advantage, but you haven't let it change you. Can I invite you to a lifestyle of daily repentance and surrender to truth? It's so good when, when God is in control and when you're fighting with that kind of freedom, when you're walking in the light. Do you desire truth? Is it, it, it you just... Ask the question, but never want the answer. How's your desire? How's your developing of the truth going? Are you getting in the word? Are you rightly dividing the word of truth? Maybe you're guilty of not declaring truth. You see brothers and sisters going, going astray. You see their walks with God getting derailed, and you find it hard to speak up and draw them back to the truth. That's your responsibility. Are you going to do it respectfully? Are you going to do it lovingly? We are called to speak up. Maybe for you, the truth comes with understanding that you're a sinner. Maybe the truth begins for you with realizing that we've all gone astray, that, that God, God's holiness sets the standard of perfection that we could never reach. And the truth is that because of that standard of perfection, we're all destined for separation from God in a place called hell. The truth is that we could never make up that gap ourselves. But the truth is also that Jesus came. He was the word made flesh. And he walked this earth sinlessly, faultlessly, so that he could go to a cross and shed his blood to cover your sin, your shortcomings, your failures. He took all your sin and paid for it. He nailed it to the cross and he made a way for you to be right with God. That's the truth. What are you going to do with it? That's the truth of the gospel. That's the message of Jesus. That's the message of his word. Are you going to accept it by faith? See, there's nothing you can do. You can't earn it. All of our good deeds amount up to filthy rags, the Bible says in God's sight. Stinks. It stinks. But the truth is that when we come to the cross by faith through God's grace, salvation is ours, a home in heaven we're sealed with the Spirit. It's a free gift. What are you going to do with the truth about Jesus? 
Are you going to make a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior? That's where truth begins for you. That's where the context and foundation of truth begins. It begins with the person of Jesus and the word of Jesus. God, we thank you this morning for your word. And although as soldiers we will have times in our life where we are stirred, I pray that we would not be shaken. That because of this truth, we could stand firm. Stand firm in our faith. Fight from our faith and fight with freedom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.